The last thing for me to do in this section is to introduce today's speaker. It is Penny Seidel. She is an incredible lady. She loves Jesus so dearly. It comes out in every sentence that she will deliver. And we are really looking forward to hearing a word straight from the Father's heart to us this morning. So as I always say, open your hearts, open your minds and open your spirits to receive what God has for you today. Good morning, Skylark family. It is so good to be with you today. And as always, thank you to Pete and Nikki for this opportunity to share what God has put on my heart. This week I was reading in Psalm 18, verse 24, and in the message translation, it seemed to jump off the page. And it says this, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. What an incredible picture of intimacy, of purpose that God, the creator of the universe, has for each of us that open our heart and minds to him. And as Jesus followers, we have this extraordinary gift that we carry, that we can give out to others each day. So many verses talk about this hope that we have. Romans 15, 13 says, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, be ready to give an answer for the hope within you when asked. We don't go dumping our theology on people, but when we're asked, we're ready to give the hope of Christ. There's a great verse, and maybe they'll put it on the screen because I'm going to read it. It's from Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6 out of the Passion Translation. And it says this, Walk in wisdom as you live before unbelievers, and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace. Be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. And we have to ask ourselves, if we are meant to be carriers of hope, why is it so easy for us to be shut down? Whether that means that we don't extend generosity to someone, we hold back when we know we're meant to speak. It could be the tension in our own family relationships and we think we're hardly holding on. I don't wanna be a hypocrite. It might be the financial stress, the uncertainty lingers and hope diminishes. We pray, we believe, but yet we find ourselves still waiting. And sometimes it's the headspace that just says, I'm not there, I can't do it. There's one thing that can rise up quicker than, than we realize. It's this one thing that will cause us to stay looking inward, to not reach out beyond ourselves. It will cause our emotions to shut down, our words causing us to be silent. And it happens when there's so much unresolved things in our own life. But yet, it can shut us down, whether in word or action. And that thing is the sting of disappointment. 
So this phrase was echoing in my mind, and I just found that God took me to 1 Kings 17. This is the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Just a quick backstory, Elijah was one of the greatest and most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. The king at the time was King Ahab. He was not a very good king. In fact, he was known as the worst king Israel had. His wife Jezebel was known as the most evil woman in the Bible. What a pair they make. And the reason she was so detrimental to their relationship, she brought in the worship of Baal into the to Israel. Baal was the God who would bring rain. So that was critical for crops to grow, for the land to be fertile. Elijah comes and gives a message to King Ahab. And he says, in three and a half years, you will experience drought. For three and a half years, you will experience drought. And after he delivers this message, you can imagine there was tension. Jezebel wanted him dead. So God said, you need to go. You need to leave. So he goes and he hides in a ravine. And in this place, he rests, he's nourished. God feeds him through ravens, through a brook, he drinks. But eventually this provision dries up. And God says, I have a new provision for you. And in this moment, he says, I want you to go to Zarephath and a widow will provide for you. Now in our Western mindset, we can read this and think, okay, he went to a town, a widow provides, but there's so much significant in those words. Zarephath was actually flourishing with the worship of Baal. This is where Jezebel's father came from. So they were entrenched in idol worship. Can you imagine if they realized, Elijah, you're the one that has prayed this and caused the drought to come because of your God? He wouldn't be welcome there. A widow during a famine, what would she have to offer? But he heard God and he obeyed. He comes into town, he comes and at the gate near Zarephath, he sees this widow collecting sticks and he says to her, would you give me something to drink? And she looks at him and turns to get something to drink and he says, and would you give me some bread? And she turns to him and says this, as surely as your Lord lives, I am collecting sticks for the, to, to make food our last meal before my son and I die. And he goes and he explains to her, he says, if, and she says, I have nothing. All I have is a little bit of flour, a handful of flour and some oil. And he says to her, if you feed me first, God will provide. And we might think, that's crazy. Why would she do that? And as I've read and studied, it seems that she recognized him as a prophet. And the law of the land actually said, if you take care of prophets, then you would be blessed. You would be provided for. So can you imagine? She pushes past this fear 
and she steps into faith and she makes Elijah a cake. She feeds him and then Elijah's very first miracle was the outpouring of the flour and the oil. And it said that she had enough during that entire famine. And as I've been studying this, I was so excited when there was more revelation and there's several things that stood out. Can you imagine that God chose a widow to provide for Elijah? Out of all the people of Israel, he saw her. He must have seen her plight of desperation. She was emotionally ready to die. She was a widow, so she had already gone through the disappointment of losing her husband. And now she sees her precious son. It made me think of where are all the other people that could come and help her? And no one's there. And she's ready at the point of devastation. She's ready to make her last meal and die. But God sees her. God sees the one. And I love that because that is one of our Skylark mandates that we're called to look for the one. So as God is seeing us, we can look for others, the one. And the other thing that I loved is the fact she just had a little bit and it would have been so easy to cling to it tightly and hold on to it and say, are you kidding? I'm gonna eat and we'll die. But in giving, she lives. What an incredible concept. It was beautiful when he showed me that. And then the another thing, I love the fact that she's a woman, she's a Gentile. In fact, in Luke 4, Jesus refers to her. Jesus is in the synagogue. He just got through reading Isaiah 61. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news, that release prisoners from darkness, that set captives free. And as he closed the scriptures, he said, today this is going to be fulfilled. And the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees were livid. And he says to them, the woman, do you remember the story of Elijah, the woman of Zarephath in Luke 4? She has greater faith. And here, the Pharisees, the ones who knew the law, it says they were furious, they were outraged, and they wanted to throw him over a cliff. But it wasn't his time, and he disappeared through the crowd. But how incredible that God's heart is for all of us. God's heart is inclusivity. He longs for us to push past race, push past prejudice, push past religious barriers, push past gender. And he says, my heart is for all. I experienced just a beautiful moment. I was heading up to um, Sheffield. I was with someone in, in my car. We had a four-hour trip there and back, so eight-hour uh, eight journey. And the person with me has um, just has said, I, I don't really have a faith. And so normally when I'm on a car journey, I'll put in my Jesus music, I'll um, be worshiping, enjoying, and, and everything was thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be a really long trip. But it, 
I ever so slightly had some worship on just to stay in the right headspace. And do you know, when the, the walls came down and it's like God said, look for the one, <laughs> this is the one that you just have some time, find out about her, ask questions, what's happened? And as we share just vulnerably with one another, we had the most incredible conversation. And at the end of it, she actually said, oh my goodness, you know more about me than my own family. And I loved that connection because it's bringing life, it's bringing hope. I shared some of the pain and the things I was ashamed of, but that because of my faith, I've been able to let that go and keep going. And that's what he longs for all of us. Do you know the story um, continues of the widow of Zarephath that she was provided for and sometimes in that place of provision, that's where we want to stay. We like it when everything is good, our life seems in order, we love God, we feel his blessing and we feel safe there. But then the scripture says her son dies and you think that doesn't make sense. And she even has this concept that she thinks maybe God now, because I've connected with Elijah, God sees my sin and I'm being punished. And in a crazy way, sometimes when we feel things aren't going well, when we feel that, you know, that answer is not there, our mental space can be like, what am I doing wrong? And he says, no, no, no. <laughs> That's that discouragement coming in. And discouragement by itself is an emotion that's okay, but it's when discouragement starts burying deep and it turns into bitterness, resentment, judgment. It then becomes a spirit that wants to rise up and be louder than the Holy Spirit. And that's when we have to come in, take our stand, receive his grace and his mercy. And that's what she did. She received grace. Elijah goes and prays for her son. And that's the second miracle that, that was recorded that Elijah did. And he brings her son back to life. And that's what God wants to do. When we're in that place of pain, of disappointment, he wants to turn it around, pour out his grace, pour that oil over us our hearts that might be hardened, that might be shut down and receive his love. Do you know, a few weeks ago, we were listening to Pete Gregg. What a phenomenal message. And as we're sitting there together, my husband and I, Pete starts sharing his story. And as he shares his story, I get this lump in my throat because I realize, wow, this is, remarkably similar to my husband's story. He was married, he had two kids, he's serving in ministry and his wife gets ill. His wife gets a brain tumor. We hear pre-Greg say that he, he prayed and wrestled with God and God spared her. And hearing that, I couldn't help but just grab my husband's hand and be like, Hey, how do you grapple with that? How do you wrestle with that? And we actually had to just pause the video and I turned to him and I said, babe, 
He had the same story, but God answered him differently. And he said, do you know, I prayed, I believed, I wanted her to be healed. But two weeks before, God said, I'm going to bring her home to me. But he said, my grace will be sufficient. And he turned and just looked at me and he said, babe, I could have just let pain and fear wrap around my heart and shut me down. But look what he has given us. Together, he's given us a family. He's given us beautiful kids, two more kids. So four adult kids, all married, all love Jesus. We have three grandchildren now, one just born this week, FaceTiming this morning and getting to see this beautiful girl yet still wondering, when are we gonna to get to see her? But that beautiful moment that God can heal, God can restore in that place of disappointment, of pain, of devastation. And I love that together we've been married 27 years and we're almost at the retiring age, at least he is. <laughs> and, um, I feel like God said, Pen, there's always more. So for a few years, many years actually, we have been going to Uganda and teaching. And this thing started stirring in our hearts. And he said, there's more for you. My heart is not just for the one that you see in front of you, but it's for those, your family across the world. And so it's been phenomenal to step out in faith even when we feel like we don't know what we're doing, but to see his love for these precious children. And it's something so simple, being able to put shoes on children's feet so they're in education and eliminating that cycle of poverty, at least helping break that cycle of poverty. So it's a privilege to be able to share his hope across the world. So wherever you find yourselves, I just want to ask Holy Spirit to shine, to come in your heart and just say, show me, Lord, believe that he sees the one. And whether that one is you and you need to hear that right now, or whether that one is your neighbor that you know I need to build even greater relationship there, and realize in this season when people are so ready to receive, to find out the hope, go ahead and give. Whether that's in action or words, give. And in that place, we live. And ask Holy Spirit every day, shine your grace in my life. And even when things, even that potential idea that I know for us not being together at Thanksgiving, Christmas, we don't know, but God, give me the grace for today. And my prayer is that each of us would allow God, Holy Spirit, rewrite our stories every day, rewrite the text of my life. And we know you do that when you open the book of our heart to your eyes. Would you do that for us today? Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're good.
Amen.